This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. I have this person in my life who is, that's that person that I, that I phone when, when I find my car doesn't want to go into gear. Well, it does want to go into gear, but it only wants to do the bottom three gears, not the top ones, you know, second, what is it, second, fifth, and reverse or something like that. This person's also um, the person that I phone when I need to move something across town. Got a big, big, uh, you know, couch or table or chair or something, and I, I, that's the person I phone uh, to bring up and uh, just to help me move this uh, across town. There's also something that happened last year. This, this time we had that big hailstorm. You remember that big hailstorm? And you guess what? There was a person that I phoned to come and remove the carport from on top of my car. <laughs> uh, this person was more than just the person that I phone, you know, when I'm in, in need of some practical help. This is also the person that I phone when I'm ne- in need of some perspective, some guidance, uh, someone that can help me just to be a sounding board. Hey, listen, I'm thinking about this. I've been wondering. I've been, I've been, I want to make this particular decision. What do you think I should do? Do you think it's a good idea? And sometimes this person just comes alongside me, and without me really even knowing it, they encourage me. They speak faith into me. They give me courage uh, to live this life and to be intentional with that. Now, if I had to ask you, some of you already know who this person is, but if I had to ask you, what is this person to me? Is it a family member? Is it an acquaintance? No, it's a friend. I wonder, I've got some friends like that. I don't know how many of you have some friends in your life that you can call on. Who are you going to call when you're in trouble? Do you call the Ghostbusters? (laughs) Or do you call a friend? And I, I think in the society that we live in today, we have lost at some, at some level, the beauty and significance of this relationship that we can have with others, which are our friends. You know, society today has turned the word friend from a noun into a verb. Now, some of you Afrikaans guys are like, what is a noun and a verb? I don't know. I don't know either. My kids go to school. That's why I've already learned those things. I don't need to learn it again. But basically, what friendship has become has become this thing that I do on, on social media. Click. Now we are friends. I've checked out your profile. And now we are friends. Ta-da! I've got many friends. But I wonder if any of those people have any concept of what's happening in my life. Can I phone them when I'm in need? Are they capable and able or even willing to step in and help me? See, friends, there is a reality within our society where which says that that there is a, a relationship that we can have that's intimate, that's connected, that can only be experienced as a romantic gesture or a, a romantic experience. This is something that the well-known psychologist, uh, Sigmund Freud, he, was, he said, you know, listen, you and I can't have that kind of deep relationship. There has to be some sexual connotation to a connection that we could have. And society has, has in a way, downplayed the significance of friendship. 
And today I want to speak to us about this, just this sort of saying that says, you know, uh, with friends like these, who needs enemies is, is what the, uh, you know, the well-known comedian, that's actually the, the guy who, who put together that, that particular quote, he was a comedian in America. But actually I want to ask you, with friends like these, this is the type of life that you and I can have together. I believe God wants to show us today that we can experience a depth of relationship that's not superficial, that's no longer on the surface, no longer uh, just transactional, you know, so if I, if I have enough friends and if I post something online, then I'm going to get some traction, I'm going to get some, some likes to my posts, I'm going to get something from that, I'm going to be able to expand my network. Many of us approach our friendships in this way. It's simply a means to an end. How many people can I connect with so that if I have a product or service or, or idea that I want to sell, then at least I can get some traction, I can get some, uh, I can move myself forward. But you see, friends, in the Bible, this concept of friendship is actually very important. It's something that we see all over the place. You know, the, the book of Proverbs speaks of friendship or a friend as someone who knows your soul. Someone who knows your soul. It's someone with whom you have shared more than just a hobby or the occasional moment together, you know, where you hang out, but actually that's someone that knows the real you. Is there someone in your life besides your spouse that knows you in this way? Is there someone that really knows you and is able and has maybe had opportunity to look inside of you? The Hebrew word for friend is closely related to the word for secret. This is a very important and interesting thing. A friend is someone who you tell your secrets to. And you know that if I tell them, it's not going to go anywhere else. It's not going to go down the grapevine somewhere else. But I actually can entrust this to us or to this person. We see Jesus speaking about this concept of friendship where he says, to his disciples in John 15, verse 15, it says, I no longer do I call you servants, for servants, the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. And now he pauses there because he's about to tell us what true friendship, why, what true friendship is, what the definition of friendship is. It says, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Friends, you and I have an opportunity to not only engage with one another at a level where we can tell one another our secrets, but actually we can engage with God, experience friendship in a way that we would also understand and know His secrets and His heart and His love. Now, I don't know where you're at in your relationship with God. I don't know what you've experienced in your life. And some of you are going, I've had some friends and my, I, that's saying, you know, with friends like these, who needs enemies because they've really stabbed me in my back so many times. Today, I believe as we look at one of these hidden heroes, we draw from his life, you and I are able to experience more and be able to express that more. So what Jesus is saying is that you are my friends because I'm letting you in on everything. You and I can experience friendship with God and understand His purposes. 
Jesus is opening up to you and I in a way that he doesn't open up to everyone. If you are a friend of God, he will make all of those things plain and clear. And we see that the Bible says that friendship is a precious and powerful expression and experience. The book of Proverbs shows us that you cannot be wise in God's world without friendship. Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever thought of the fact that if you don't have good friends in your life, that your life isn't going to go as well as you would hope it would be? Have you ever thought of that? All of us need friendship. And the Bible gives us a beautiful picture of, or a vision of, this concept or idea or relationship. Obviously, there's some examples in the Bible that we can see. Uh, you know, we see this with Jesus. He had the 12, which was some close, close friends, but then it went even deeper. Sorry, is this Michael right? So I feel like it's feeding you. It's a hungry Mike today. Jesus has the 12, but he also had the three. But he also had the disciple whom he loved. And many of us live our lives, we don't even have 12 friends around us. We don't even have people around us that we could look to and call on in difficult times. I'm going to ask you, who are your friends? The old saying goes, show me your friends and I will prophesy your future. God wants you and I to experience and express this reality of friendship. We also see this displayed in the life of Paul, the well-known apostle, the the well-known hero of the Bible, in his life where he had many friends around him, many co-laborers. They were faithful friends, fellow workers, co-laborers and brothers in the faith. Some of them are Barnabas, if you look at the book of Acts, many examples of him. Timothy, we hear of Epaphras, we hear of Onesimus and Philemon. But then there is this man called Titus. And this is our first hidden hero that we're going to speak about today. Titus was one of Paul's closest companions. And if we look at his life, he exemplified what I believe a true friend is. And I believe that I'm going to encourage us as we begin to look. Maybe you're looking at your life and you're going, I don't have even 12. I don't even have three. I don't even have one. Perhaps if you take the lead and example of, of Titus, that you'll be able to find someone like that. But more importantly, I believe God wants you and I to be a Titus to someone. All of us can and should be willing and looking for opportunities to say, Lord, how can I express godly friendship, godly support to those around me? You see, Titus was a Gentile. He he speaks about about it in Galatians 2 verse 3. He was led to Christ by Paul. And he was drawn into the ministry and became a co-worker with Paul, accompanying him with Barnabas. This is an amazing thing. To, from Antioch to Jerusalem. You remember this, this, uh, this passage in Acts chapter 15, verse 12. Titus was amongst the other fellow believers that went with him to Jerusalem. After the Jerusalem council, uh, Titus would have been a prime example of a born-again Christian, but who was a Gentile. And who had not been circumcised. And this was a big issue in the early church. Because there was this sort of debate that came up and said, well, if you really want to be a true Christian, then you've got to have the, you know, we've got to sort some things out. You've got to bear it not only in your heart, but also on your body. 
we see how Titus was used by God as a fellow worker with, with Paul. He served within the church. And we're going to look at, at the passage in, in 2 Corinthians today, uh, where we see some examples of how he expressed this friendship. But on, on Paul's third missionary journey, which took place around AD 53 to 57, Paul arrived in Troas and expected to find his friend Titus. We see that Paul writes about that. Paul is on a mission. God's kingdom is advancing, but is it happening just through Paul? No, it's happening through this friendship that he has with this man called Titus. And when he found that he, when he arrived there and saw that his friend wasn't with him, he left to, to go on to Macedonia, and then Titus joined him in Philippi and gave him the good report of the ministry of Corinth, that was happening in Corinth. This is a powerful picture for you and I to see. That as, as God calls you and I into significant work, we need to be willing to partner with Him and with others in order to see God's purpose prevail. You see, when, when um, Titus returned from Corinth, which is a part that we're going to look at in 2 Corinthians, he gave not only a good report to Paul, who was concerned for the people in Corinth, but he actually also was then used to deliver a letter that Paul wrote to them and collected an offering for the believers in Jerusalem. And many years later, he traveled with Paul to the island of Crete, where Paul planted a church, and then he writes the book of Titus, the letter of Titus, to him saying, Titus, I want you to set in order those things which are lacking in the church in Crete. Ordain elders, teach them, entrust to them this, this message of the gospel, and make sure that this church, this fledgling church, can thrive within the space that they're in. He was also someone who was able to refute some of those unhelpful teachings that would arise in the, in the church. I want you and I to be like Titus, not just believers who come along and say, oh, praise the Lord Jesus, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, but actually, Lord, how can my life be used to count for you? And how can I utilize my relationships my friendships with fellow workers in Christ, that I may see your kingdom um, advance. We see this last mention of Titus happens in the Bible during Paul's final um, you know, Roman imprisonment. From Rome, Titus was sent to evangelize Dalmatia, that we see in 2 Timothy 4 verse 10. And that area was later, would be later become modern or Yugoslavia, and today is called Serbia or Montenegro. Amazing. This one man that we just fleetingly hear about in the Bible actually made a significant difference in many people's lives. He was someone that was true of character. He was someone who stayed the course. He was someone who, at the need of Paul, whenever Paul needed him, he was willing to go. He was willing to accomplish those things. And he could be entrusted with not only the message of the gospel, but also to administrate and to lead and to accomplish those things that were lacking within the church. Are you a Titus or do you want to be a Titus? Are you willing to be used by God as someone like Titus? So we're going to quickly have a look at three passages and three examples, just some lessons that you and I can learn from the life of Titus that I believe can be helpful for us, not only in our lives, but also in our friendships with others. 
2 Corinthians uh, 7 verse 5 to 7, it says, For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he, had comforted, uh, he was comforted by you. As he told us uh, of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. So just to give you a bit of context of what was happening in the church of Corinth. They were, if you read 1 and 2 Corinthians, Paul actually wrote three letters to them uh, in the span of his life. We only have two of them, and that's part of the New Testament. But we see this, this church was colorful to say the least. <laughs> Getting up to all sorts of strange, you know, things. There was, there was gossip, and there was sin, and there was rebellion, but there was also a genuine sense that God was in their midst. Can you believe it? A messy church and God's there. Look around you, church. <laughs> church is messy. I remember the story of uh, Tony Silver telling the story of a couple who visited their church for uh, many, many a Sunday, just a couple of Sundays. And, and one Sunday, the you know, altar call was made and invitation to accept Christ. And so this couple comes forward and they accept Jesus. But the next week, the gentleman had returned, but now he was with a different woman. So everyone's a bit perplexed and confused and actually like, wait a minute, this isn't right. What's happening? And he, he looks like he's with that person, you know? Not like, they're not friends. They're like, you know, together. So after the meeting, this lady that had come with him also came forward uh, to be saved, to give her life to Christ. And as they started chatting to them, they realized, the gentleman explained that he had come a few weeks before with his mistress. And this Sunday had now come to church with his wife. And now, all three of them have come to put their faith in Jesus, and now the church has got some messy things to try and help them sort through. The church can be so messy, friends. But there is a reality that God wants to redeem that through other relationships that we have with one another. And so Titus comes out of this context, this messy church in Corinth, and he gives this great news, this comfort to Paul. Paul's dear friend Titus is coming, and he's saying to him, listen, I want you to know that there is comfort that I can bring you, but I can also give you some good reports. Titus was able to look past some of the real obvious sins and challenges that was happening in, in the, the people of, amongst the people of Corinth and the church in Corinth. And he was able to bring that forward to Paul, saying, Paul, I want to encourage you as someone that's concerned for these people. Not only is he concerned for them, but he's actually also giving some reports about some good things that are happening. Have you ever just needed a friend to just come and cheer you up, encourage you. You know, you're worried about a friend or a family member or a situation, and that friend just steps in and just says to you, listen, don't worry, I, I, I want to give you some good news. He was able to look past those things. Can you and I be like Titus, where in every relationship and every circumstance that we step into, that we're not just looking for the list of things that's not right, 
the things that people are not getting to. You know, we have some of those friends. I have some family members like that. Five minutes with them, and I'm thinking, yes, I'm like, uh, just been heavy loaded now with some more bad news. You know, I just cannot rise above what I'm experiencing. But actually, those friends that can go, yes, I understand things are messy, things are not as they should be, but I'm going to choose to bring uh, the good news and bring um, comfort to those around me. We also see how for Paul, Paul was very distressed. He was worried about his relationship with the Corinthian church because if you read uh, the letter of 1 Corinthians, he's pretty straight with them. He is actually at times what may seem to us as harsh towards them. And he was concerned that, they, that he had somehow lost his connection with this church. But Titus comes in and he says, no, I want to give you good news. I want to tell you that they have a great concern for you as well. And that, that their relationship is still intact. God doesn't want you and I to look and focus on the negatives. He wants you and I to draw people into the things that, the bigger picture of what he's doing. Paul continues to write, he says, therefore, we are comforted. Praise God, he's comforted because Titus has come. And besides our own comfort, we rejoice still more at the joy of Titus. Because his spirit has been refreshed by you all for whatever boasts I made about, uh, uh, to him about you, I was not put to shame. But just as everything we said to you was true, so also our boasting before Titus was proved to be true. What is Paul saying here? He's saying that Titus coming into, you know, being sent on a mission, being sent on, on a, as, a, as an opportunity to say, well, I'm going to be, be used by God to encourage this church. Not only is he coming with his list of things, like, well, church, this is what you've got to do, and this is what Paul sent me to do, and this is what I've come to check in on. He's actually rejoicing at their progress. Are you a friend that's looking for the progress in others? Or are you someone who just come, simply comes in to, to just do the bare minimum? Just do the little bits of what I need? Or do you, are you willing to go the extra mile? What is your demeanor like? What is your heart's position like in your relationships? Do you simply look for those things that might be um, you know, beneficial to you? Or are you looking to refresh others with your presence. You see, as Titus arrives, he sees the mess that they're in, but he finds great joy because there are people involved in this church. Friends, when we think about relationships, all of our relationships, everything starts with a desire and an understanding that we are connected with one another and all of us are created in God's image. If I look at you simply by what I can gain from you or simply by what, how you don't measure up to my standards, I'm never going to be able to cross over and make a connection with you. You know, many of us have friends like that. Initially, you meet them and you go, especially introverts have this problem, you know. We, we're in the crowd and we feel a little bit overwhelmed and then we, we seem serious. You know those person. And then normally people are like, oh, that person, they're judgmental. I shouldn't, shouldn't go there. They, 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 they're upset. Actually, they're just overwhelmed with all the people around. The extroverts are going, woohoo! 
We're happy to be together. This is amazing. The, and the introverts are looking to them. It's like, that person's crazy. I shouldn't even go there. I should just stay away from them. Let's not, let's not go there. But when you and I have the right view of one another, and as we come as Titus into circumstances, the first thing we're looking for is not our list of things of what are you doing and, and what's my perception, but let me look past those things and into the deeper realities of the relationships I have. And many of us have lost out. You've lost on, out on the blessing of the friendships that God wants to give you because you're unable to walk past those things that would, would express that. But also, I love what I love about Titus is that, that he is committed to the church. He's committed to, to community. And so many Christians I know, they are committed to Jesus. That, that's what they say. But they are so far removed from the rest of his body that they miss out on the fullness of what God wants to do in and through their lives. I've just been, I've been the, as I said, the recipient of great friendships in my life. I've become a better person. I'm hoping that I've become a better husband and I've become a better father because of the people I've surrounded myself with. And you and I cannot and shouldn't experience or think that we can express and, and grow into the fullness of who God has called us to be by ourselves. And we need one another. And I believe that there are some connections in this room that some of you can make and some relationships that you and I can build with one another that would stand the test of time. No matter, you know, friends, you don't need to spend a lot of time with them. You don't, ha you don't need, I, I remember obviously moving away to, to Potch and I'm, I'm far away. Some of those phone calls with some of my friends have life-giving moments. People I can just bounce some things off with. I no longer have to feel like I'm walking this out alone. Paul continues to write about Titus, uh, the, the following to the Corinthian church. He says the following, But thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you, for he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you on his own Friends, there are some realities within God's mission that God wants to send you and I into people's lives and you and I need to be willing participants in the journey. Not begrudgingly saying, oh Lord, no Lord, I know those people in India. I know it's costing me money, it's costing me time, but I'm not going to go because you've asked me to. God doesn't want us to live that way, friends. Your workplace right now, some of those clients that you've got to deal with. God wants you and I to not only go there because he sent us there, like Paul sent Titus to the Corinthian church, but actually we should be like Titus who are willing participants saying, I'm going to be a vessel that brings change in the world that, I'm, that I come into contact with. Can you and I shift our perspective? Can we shift our, our, our attitudes towards these things because even as Malcolm was sharing with us this morning around the circumstances in our, in our nation, we could look at it and go, look at all the things that are wrong and, and how it's not easy. And I mean, I'm, I read, also read the articles and I also feel in my heart's like, oh man, I don't know how this is going to work. 
But I want to be someone like Titus that says, I'm going to be sent in and I'm going to be willing to be used by God no matter what is expected of me. Does that mean that I have to, if it means I have to go through the, the extra mile, then I'm going to do it. If it means that I have to pray an extra hour, I'm going to do it. If it means that I need to spend some time fasting, then I need to do that. If, if it means that I'm going to put together a small little box for an orphan at the end of the, the year, I'm going to do that in order to be a blessing because I'm no longer living for myself. I'm living for the benefit of others. As fellow, fellow workers of, of, of the gospel, and what I love about Titus is that at no point do we see that he, he kind of compares himself with the Timothy. I mean, I mean, Timothy, clearly Timothy was like Paul's favorite. I don't know. I mean, because he's like two letters to Timothy. I mean, my son in the faith, you know. No, he's not comparing and going, oh, Paul likes this oak more than me. He doesn't fall into the comparison trap. He's just simply content with the, with the role he has to play, and he's intentionally giving himself to that. Friends, can you and I not be like my kids are sometimes? You love Abigail more than you love me. You enjoy Galen more than you enjoy me. My kids are in kids' ministry. They don't hear this now. <laughs> so often we can be like that. We can even come to God with complaints like that. God, why are you using that person so much and what about me? But when you and I are at friendship with God, you and I need to realize that He gives us some secrets. He makes known to us some realities, some opportunities that only you and I would be able to experience. And you and I would be able to use by God to express. Are you listening? Are you cultivating a friendship with God as well as a friendship with others in the body of Christ? But there's a friendship that I believe God wants you and I to experience and express, which, which I think many of us, especially in the Christian world, we can sometimes overlook. And that is a friendship with someone that doesn't know Jesus, that doesn't have our values, that doesn't have, you know, look at the world the way that we would look at it. And I, I wanted to say this very carefully. You know, it's one thing to have a friendship with somebody that's in the world and that doesn't know God and be swept and influenced by them. But it's another thing to actually say, Lord, how can I be a vessel to be used by you to bring others in my friendship with them to Christ? A great example of this in history is, uh, is of someone called C.S. Lewis. Many of you would know C.S. Lewis is the author of uh, the Chronicles of Narnia and many other uh, books. But for many years, for most of his life, uh, early on his, in his life, he was an atheist. At the age of 16, he basically wrote off the existence of God because his mother had died of cancer. And in his mind, he's like, well, if there's a loving, powerful God, why is there pain and suffering in this world? It's one of the big questions he asked. And so he lived his life pretty much like that. Until at some point, especially in his childhood, he came to across a man by the name of Arthur Greaves. Arthur wasn't a very um, academically astute person, ordinary guy. But what C.S. Lewis experienced in his friendship with Arthur was that he, he says the following, I learned chastity from him 
and failed for all of my efforts to teach him arrogance in return. I learned chastity, which means character, moderate, you know, what's the word? Living things in moderation, enjoying, having a moral standard in, in my life. Because of C.S. Lewis's encouragement or encounters with Arthur, his life was transformed. C.S. had another friend, Neville. Neville, on the other hand, was a brilliant man, astute, studied, you know, great mind, especially in the English language. But what struck C.S. was that he was a brilliant man, academic in his thinking, intellectual in all of of his expression, but he was so consistent in his faith, unwavering with some of the arguments that sometimes would be raised. Another friend of his was J.R.R. Tolkien. Many of you would know him from the Lord of the Rings. He wrote uh, those, the trilogies and, and many other books. C.S. said this of, of uh, J.R.R. Tolkien when he met him. He says, there's no harm in him, only needs a smack or so. Have you ever met a friend like that? Uh, your first encounter with him, you just think, this guy, I don't think I'm going to get much value out of him. I was speaking to someone the other day about the difference between men and women in terms of our friendships. You know, most, most of the time, sometimes, especially at school, you know, your best friend, you could have a Barney with him. No, the guys are like, what's a Barney? Okay, it's, you rough and tumble it a little bit, a wrestle, and afterwards you mates forgotten about it. Yesterday I was at a, at, a, at a function and someone had encountered that and the husband's like, no, he's fine, he's cool. He had just had his encounter and he's moved on. His wife's like, I can't believe it. And he's holding it, she's holding it against him and he's like, no man, forget about it, it's over now already. Sometimes the best friendships happen because we're willing to work through the conflict. And for C.S. and his relationship with J.R. Tonko was that both of them enjoyed this common interest in mythology. But what struck C.S. about Gerald Tolkien's faith was that he could, ex- he, could adve- he could venture into this world of fantasy, but he still had his feet firmly on the ground. He was still consistent in his faith. He was unwavering in it. The last friend he had was Hugo Dyson. And this friend, I think all of us need a friend like this. This friend was, Hugo had a great sense of humor. Could tell the best stories. You're thinking of some of those people in your life right now. They like, when they start telling a story around the bright place, you're just thinking, oh man, God, let's just pause, let's listen. All of us have these types of friends. The friend that's just ordinary, but they're so consistent in your life. Others that are, you're always learning something from them. Others that you're like, yes, man, you've got some strange ideas, but I, I, mean, I, mean, I love spending time with you. And all of us then also need a friend that can just make us laugh from time to time. Who's in your life? But how are you utilizing those friendships? Because all four of these men met with CS on a weekly basis, discussing life and philosophy and, and their writings and the books that they were busy with, until one night... After one of their discussions, they ended up back at CS's uh, office or house, continued their discussions, and then went for a walk. And during this walk, the moment came for C.S. Lewis where he put his faith in Jesus and his friend could lead him to Jesus. It took a few years, 
But their consistency, their willingness to engage with him, their willingness to even put up with him, eventually yielded the fruit of eternal life. And today, many of us are impacted by the life of C.S. Lewis. But it came because some friends were willing to invest in him. Who are you investing in that's far from God at the moment? Who are you looking for? Who are you drawing in? Because I believe God wants you and I to cultivate healthy friendships. Proverbs uh, chapter 18 verse 24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You may be here today, and you know that you don't have that kind of friendship. You don't have a friendship with Jesus, and, and you're missing out on some of the secrets he wants to show you. And today, I want to encourage you. I want to invite you. Jesus is saying, I want to be your friend. Now, you can be like many of us and go, I don't know. Should I go there? He's, he's, a, he's a bit intense. Or, yo, man, I, he's too happy. Introvert, extrovert. We could weigh and judge Christ even in that way. But can I encourage you to put your faith in Jesus and allow him to begin to reveal to you what true life and true friendship really is, a true relationship, that you'd come to know the Father in his power and majesty and glory, and that your eternal future would look different, that the life that you live would be different. I'm going to pray for you in a moment, and I trust that you would respond to that. For the rest of us, I want to encourage us that we would be friends like Titus, willing and available to be used by God, saying, Lord, I'm going to look past some of the challenges. I'm going to be someone that encourages. I'm going to be someone who experiences and expresses your life and your love. I'm going to be a support, but I'm also going to be someone that contends, that goes into the fight. And if you don't have those people in your life, can I ask you to begin to build those relationships. I want to close with a quote from C.S. Lewis. It says, friendship is unnecessary. Huh? Like philosophy, like art. It has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things that gives value to survival. God doesn't want you and I just to survive. He wants us to thrive. And we do that through the friendships we have. We do that through the relationships we build. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the friend who sticks closer than a brother. And Lord, this morning I want to pray firstly for those who have never put their faith in you, never endeavored to have a friendship with you. Perhaps there's some of us that have had that, but we've drifted away. We've, we've cut off that friendship connection. And today, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're calling them back. And as I pray for them right now, Lord, I know that you're stirring hearts, that you're impacting, that you're drawing. And I pray, Father, that you'd seal in their hearts today the knowledge of your love and your grace, your acceptance, and your willingness to use them for your glory. Lord, I pray for those of us that have got great friendships. I pray that we would take them to the next level, that we would continue to Look for opportunities to bless, to care, to be there for one another, but also to share our secrets, to share our lives with others, Lord. 
that we would be willing to walk across the room to strike up that conversation, to bring others into a relationship with us and with you, Lord. I pray, Father, that we would be people who are looking out for those people that we can be friends, that we would ultimately one day lead them to the friend who sits closer than a brother, you, Jesus. I pray, Father, that as we go into this season, that we wouldn't just relax and say, oh, I'll pick things up again in the new year. But actually, Lord, that we would continue to walk intentionally with you, closely knit and tucked in with you, Jesus, that we may see your kingdom advance in and through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.